Hi guys. Today I got to talk to Amelia about everything she's been up to. And I think that we had a really awesome conversation. Um, I definitely felt like I learned a lot about her interests and where she wants to be. And I think it's really cool the kind of advocacy that she feels necessary in her new placement and that she's going for. I think that is really, really cool. So I think you guys will really like this episode. Um, as always, I hope you're staying healthy and safe. I'm sending love to all of you guys and positive vibes. Happy November. We're almost there, which is crazy. Um, and stay happy. Hey, Amelia, how are you? Good, how are you, Megan? I'm good, it's good to see you. I know, it's been so long. I know, you were one of the few people I saw um, doing screenings and stuff for the first mm -hmm. years but I don't think I've seen you since. No, I feel like we were both Tanner back then. Yeah, oh, better times, simpler times. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now it's like 40 degrees outside and this is not why I moved to the South, I'll tell you what. No, this is not why I've stayed here. <laughs> <laughs> that tan was a big reason why I did and I'm sad it's gone. 100%, <laughs> got that whole tan from quarantine. Mm -hmm. She was, she held out, but She's long gone at this point, mm -mm. like Dracula, I feel like. I spent all day on the computer screen, so that like gives me this like translucent glow. Nice. Not cute. Definitely not cute, but we make do. <laughs> Sunken in eyeballs, it's fine. Don't even yeah. worry about it. Whatever. Dark circles down to my cheek, down all the way to my cheek, whatever. That's what concealer's <laughs> for. It's all good. Yep, absolutely. So what have you been up to since I last saw you? And also, I guess throughout your summer, because we didn't get a lot of time to catch up. Yeah, so I didn't get any clients over the summer. Um, and my job decided to kind of drop me. So I just hung out. I mean, I just took the time to really not do anything. Um, <laughs> uh, and kind of spend more time with my family and um, kind of decompress from Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So you finished out with your Phoenix clients, but then yes. nothing after that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, unlike other people I hear, um, I had a great time in teletherapy and I still do. Mm -hmm. Um, my supervisor's like, you're so much more like peppy during, she's like, take all of that energy you have during teletherapy and actually put it in your in-person clients. So apparently I do better at teletherapy than I do with in-person clients. Interesting. Do you feel that way too? Like, do you feel that I, I know where she's coming from because I still love seeing, especially the kids that I see. Um, but I feel like I have to take it a step, like 10 steps higher when I'm with those little kids because I'm afraid they're just gonna get up and leave because they have that power. Yeah. <laughs> so I like try to find like the best things that I can online and I'm like, woohoo, this is great. You're having the best time. And they only leave like, you know, 60% of the time. It's all good. <laughs> hey, progress. 
<laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it feels like a much more high stakes kind of thing and you don't get to do that behavior management or the environmental modification. So you mm -hmm. have to be enticing. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense. Yep, we wore like bad years once maybe to get this kid to look at us more. It really didn't work out, but you know, we tried. <laughs> Most of the time we're like bubbles, pop, 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 wow. And they're still just not about it. Yeah, it's hard. It's, I mean, therapy is a whole different part of your brain, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really cool that you've enjoyed it. I think that's a huge, yeah. uh, a huge it's, positive. It's been pretty, it's been pretty fun, actually. And um, we've done a lot of, yeah, we've done a lot of feeding therapy and things like that. But for my Phoenix kids, it definitely was probably better for me and Miss Himuka. <laughs> <laughs> I was online. Um, I just, I just got better as a clinician there. I think it's just, I, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I finished out with them. My favorite, my most long lasting memories of my children will be, this is your last therapy session of the year. And them going, oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, see you there. <laughs> see you later. Glad to know you're excited about leaving me. It's fine. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's the biggest motivator. I had a kid who all semester, I was like, dude, I know you have that. He was doing the R sound and I'm like, yeah. I know you have it. You just choose not to make it. And I know that you don't like coming to therapy. Make it for me three sessions in a row and you don't ever have to come back. <laughs> you're just done. Oh my gosh. I had one kid that was a twin and Lena had the other mm -hmm. and he did nothing for me until teletherapy when we put them together. So Lena and I switched off between doing the drill and then doing the game. Mm -hmm. um, Lena had this like great break the ice game. If you ever need to know where that is, hit her up. Um, it was a boom card and they adored it. They mm -hmm. wanted to play it like every single time. And then, um, we just had flashcards for them to go through. And it worked out so well because my kid finally had somebody to go off of mm -hmm. because he just hated me. <laughs> just wanted nothing to do with me. He'd like come in, he's like, where's the game? And I'd be like, the game is Battleship, but with our words. He's like, that's stupid. And I'm like, well, we're gonna play it because <laughs> that's all I have. You really tested you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> blew my mind I look over at his like battleship thing once and it's just all scribbled out I'm like okay neat glad we did this <laughs> hey those are some of the kids you learn the most from though I think oh yeah but it was it was great when we got him on teletherapy and um a couple other kids I could see you know some of them struggling um but it was it was uh it was an adjustment for everybody. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And you definitely kind of see what works, what doesn't work, what kind of needs are better served <laughs> in person versus online and, and kind of also what shockingly is better online than in person. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. That's interesting. It's definitely an interesting mix. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, lots of songs. I use so many songs. Mm -hmm. um, but now I have a birth to five population. Mm -hmm. So um, songs work really well with them. It gets their attention. Yeah, for sure. So before we talk about your new placement, I want to just kind of circle back. You said you spent more time with your family. Did you stay mm -hmm. local or did you go home? I went home um, and went and saw my boyfriend and things like that over May. And then um, I didn't know what was going on with like my apartment or anything. Um, my sister came up actually when um, we were given the news that everything was going to be cut. So she came up and helped me packed up, pack up some of my clothes and stuff and my cat. <laughs> and um, we, we drove back home. And so she had a good time because we went to like the ramen place that's near the Super G, mm -hmm. um, which is really good. Oh, good and um, kind of got her out of the house. because She's like the biggest extrovert that is in my house. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot bigger ones, but she's <laughs> always on the go. And we're like, are you OK? Like, are you tired? She's like, no, I have to go other places. <laughs> Um, and so I finished out the spring semester and, um, the summer classes at home. So I did all of my classes outside, which was awesome mm -hmm. because we have a really good deck, um, helped my parents build a wall. Um, they wanted for some reason to build a wall out of rocks, uh, that was kind of on this in hill thing that we had um it looks great but it took for freaking ever the whole quarantine my parents were doing that and I come out and be like you should pick up that rock <laughs> they're like wow Amelia you're helping so much I'm like I know <laughs> aren't you so glad I'm home <laughs> I'm home pick up that rock <laughs> <laughs> that's so nice that you got to go home and kind of spend some time with them mm-hmm I had a great time. Um, yeah, we we spent a lot of time at home. My brother was not about it. He kept walking in and seeing all of us on our computers. And he's like, why are you home? And we're like, oh, because of quarantine and things like that. Because he spends all of his days at home um, because his uh, community college stuff is all online. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, my cat's trying to jump over me or something. <laughs> Okay. Um, there she goes. There she goes. <laughs> um, and so he was, he just would come in for a good week or two. Just why are you home? Why are you still here? Yeah, we're yeah. like, oh, because <laughs> this is where we are now. This is yeah. what we're doing. Get used to it. Little did you know, right? Yeah. Um, and during that time, I just kind of looked at, I didn't know what to do with my apartment or anything like that. Uh, I knew first years were coming in. So I was like, maybe I can suck her into one of them, you know, living with me. And I did. You did it. <laughs> I was like, too bad I'm going to leave or maybe not. I don't know, but I might. Yeah. That's so nice. So you're living with one of the first years. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when did you end up moving back from home? We moved in she had to move in early because she had a nannying job um that would start early june mm -hmm. 
So we had all of our stuff moved in by June 9th, I believe. Okay. And um, my apartment complex was nice enough just to, because my lease at my other apartment wasn't finished. Um, so they were nice enough to just transfer that lease to the new apartment. Okay. And um, just switch it basically. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do that because of quarantine. They had stopped that for a while. So I kept checking back in and finally I think I bugged somebody too much and they were like, fine, just give it to her. <laughs> so that's hey, good. And they were gotta, like, gotta do. yeah. And they were like, oh yeah, this apartment is like clean as heck. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't been there for months. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. They're like, a cat lives here? I don't even see cat here. I'm like, yeah, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, hasn't lived there either in a little while. <laughs> That's funny. So that's really cool. You got to stay in the same complex, but it's a different unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bigger ground floor unit. Um, there's nobody above us, just beside us, um, which is really, really nice. Mm -hmm. um, it was big enough for my cat and her dog and um, things like that. We tried to live and hang out with both of our animals peacefully, but her dog has way too much anxiety. So he had to go live with his grandmother. <laughs> Oh, God. Poor thing. Um, but he's really cute. Oh. Um, he sometimes stays with us over weekends. Yeah. We nice. can hang. <laughs> um, and yeah, I got to know uh, Hannah the first year I moved in with um, over the summer because I just kind of stayed because she didn't want to be alone in the apartment. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have anything else to do. So yeah, why not? I just um, decided to hang out and yeah. um, we had a good time. I would just do simmy case forever, you know, just like yeah. everybody else did. <laughs> the dreaded simmy case. It feels like like ages ago, but man, that right. a lot. Yeah. It was right there. Mm -hmm. Hannah came in once. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, simmy case. And she's like, what even is that? I'm like, it's simulated cases. You'll find out. Oh, you'll she learn. came back from Carolyn. If you remember Carolyn mm -hmm. from the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She came back from that and she was almost in tears saying that she was going to drop out. I'm like, girl, don't. It's just Carolyn everybody else felt the same way like last year yeah. oh my gosh yeah because I remember being like 87 89 and you're like oh my gosh I just want 90 I was like just put just duplicate the tab so that you have two Carolyn's open and just click through one of them and then figure out where it is and click through the next and she's like oh like, yes yeah work smarter not harder no, not with these stupid cases. No. Carolyn isn't even real. Nope. <laughs> she she doesn't even exist, okay? It's whatever. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's a big three-year-old. Not even yeah. worth it. Do you feel like you've been able to help her out a decent amount as far as like the transition goes? Like, does she come to you a lot with questions about the school year? Yeah. So um yeah, I would say I could help her out a little bit. There are a few things where I'm like, good luck. I remember struggling and her being like, well, that's, you know, helpful. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, you know, it is to the extent of at least I know someone else felt the same way. 
Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We talk a lot about, especially if she's, you know, very frustrated, like Dr. Obermeyer's first quiz or test. She was like, how hard is it? I'm like, well, she's probably toned it down since we had it. She was like, excuse me. (laughs) I'm like, well, I don't think anybody really finished it. She was like, oh my gosh. And she told like some of her other friends who then freaked out. I'm like, please don't, please don't freak out. There's no way of knowing. She probably tweaked it. Yeah. Plus we all survived. I mean, at the end Uh of the day, we're all still here. So yeah, if everybody makes a terrible grade, then there's something wrong. And she figured that one out. She helped us out Yeah. there. Um, and after they had the the test, I hadn't heard anything from them. So I was like, okay, go. Cool. I mean, it must have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> no need. Um, good news. No need. Um, but yeah, I, um, we've had a couple of first years come to the house and things like that. So it's pretty interesting, um, seeing kind of where their mindset is and, um, how they feel about stuff. Um, uh, my, her, or sorry, Hannah's, um, placement is Phoenix and she's all teletherapy. She, she got her first in-person kid this week. So she's really excited to go in. She's like real baby children. Yeah. A human um, being. <laughs> so she's really, really excited. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Um, yeah. Do you get like, I'm so curious what the first year gossip is, you know? First year gossip. I mean, I hear like it, it's a different culture than what our cohort was. I feel like, you know, when times were really stressful, we were all able to communicate kind of effectively. I don't think there was a bunch of drama between any of us. Um, because of COVID and things like that, it seems a lot more segmented, um, just in clicks rather than anything as a whole. I mean, um, I told her that a group me was really helpful and I bet you told them during, um, their orientation that a group me was really helpful. So they do have a group me where they send basically, just messages mostly during Kami's class about what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a hundred percent sense. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. Um I actually like hopped in, what was it, right at the end of one of Kami's classes and I said, hey, and he remembered my name and I said, you blew me away. And he said, I you yeah, I <laughs> didn't think that that was gonna happen. Wow. He's like, hey Kami, and he's like, Amelia. I'm like, yes. Look at that. That's pretty impressive. I know. Didn't think it was going to happen. You made an impact. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I know. (laughs) I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I almost feel like we take for granted or don't really understand how unique our situation is as far as our cohort goes. Like, yes, it's influenced by COVID for them and they don't really get to see each other a lot in person necessarily or they're even split into two groups, basically, when they are in mm-hmm. person, one that's in the classroom and one that's in 304. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't imagine, I mean, cliques, I think, naturally will just form in that kind of situation. Of course, yeah. Only with half your group. But I think also, like, the class ahead of us was a lot like that. And most of my friends at other universities are a lot like that, too. You just have, like, your group. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like here it was such a different experience. Like, we really 
we all genuinely care about each other. We all genuinely like want each other mm -hmm. to do well. And so it was really like, yeah, you might have some people you talk to more than other people, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like I wouldn't say anyone wasn't my friend, you know? Right. Yeah. They I wouldn't say no personal details about each other either, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been great having everyone here in our cohort. I mean, it's been awesome, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear, let's see, there's not a bunch of drama just because I think it helps being divided so much yeah. <laughs> in the first, but I do know there's like a few people that get on Hannah's nerves. <laughs> she would like fight immediately. That's funny. Yeah, we won't. They all made, yeah, they all made <laughs> these unmute shirts because apparently Dr. Cam, I just kept going, unmute yourself, unmute, unmute. So they made these unmute shirts. No way themselves That's um one, cool. of, one of the are girls was like hmm are they cute they're just white with like words <laughs> I mean that is so like funny a big statement piece really yeah no I think that's awesome <laughs> that's such a that is like an iconic look for 2020 a hundred percent I mean she could wear that anywhere honestly yep everyone <laughs> people would know we would all get it. That's so cool. Aw. It's been, it's been a good time. Yeah. Um, I hope it's, it, for her, it's been okay. But, you know, it's just that first year kind of jitters and stressfulness. I mean, it's still there. Um, very much so of just being very stressed out all the time. Mm -hmm. um, whether it online or not, it's still a lot. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Well, and I can't imagine it's a hard, it's a hard thing, I think, for everyone involved, because how much do you teach yourself? How much are you expected? Mm -hmm. Or are you expecting the professor to teach you? How much do they assume, mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's a totally different mentality and how to approach teaching it too. And so mm -hmm. I can't imagine it's easy for anyone. It was never easy, but I can't imagine tele school makes it any easier. Oh my gosh, no. And the amount of just when she doesn't have her um, headphones in or things like that, I just hear anybody, anybody, can anybody answer this? <laughs> it's just like radio silence until somebody just randomly is like, I think I can. Aww. Yeah. And that's so hard because you don't have like the personal rapport developed necessarily mm -hmm. either if you're all online. And so I'm not going to take as big of a chance if uh, it's so much more intimidating that yeah. way. It really is. Yeah, because then that's all you know about me. Mm hmm. Hmm. That's so. Oh, I answer my questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting, though, to think like it's just one year later and it's a totally different experience. It really is. I keep telling her that it's a great time in second year. She's like, well, great for you. I'm like, you're almost there. You're going to get there. Come on. She's like, tell me that spring semester is easier. And I'm like, you know, from personal experience, I can't exactly tell you that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. But you know what? I think it's, it's also the concept of like, now I, it's not definitely not easier, but you learn what works for you. Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that can help make it feel a little easier at times, I think. 
Um, and it's still challenging. So it still feels harder at times too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that you just kind of learn, you learn more than you think you do. I think is just what I keep coming back to. Like, I can't believe that we're going to be graduated in six months Mm -hmm. and be considered competent clinicians at that point. Like, excuse me. Oh man. But at the same time, if you like sit with it, you're like, no, I do know so much more. I've learned so much more. I mm-hmm. lead my sessions independently. Like I can do this, mm-hmm. but it's just like, oh my God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still a new, you know, a thing that a second year grad student told me that always resonated with me is that no matter where you go, that first initial, like just a completely new setting Um, you'll always feel like you're back at square one Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's, you know, a different supervisor. It's a different way of writing your notes. It's a different way. It's a, it's a different culture um, in a way. Um, You know, the kids are different or the adults are different. Um, It's yeah. So I I've always thought about that a lot, especially when it's, you know, when I've gone into something new, it's like, okay, you're going to feel like it's, you're back to step one, but you're not really, right. you know? Yeah. You've got a toolkit. You just, you are relearning mm-hmm. a lot. It's like, it's a new position. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and so, the- yeah, it's helped. It's helped me specifically of just not having that expectation for myself to just be able to jump in and be amazing yeah. because I feel like, you know, we're all very, um, overachiever like mm-hmm. um I feel like it's hard on us when we all are just trying to jump into something and it just doesn't work out the way that we feel like it's supposed to play to to our plan mm-hmm. um it can just you know throw throw us off a little bit no absolutely well and like the reality is like not everyone can do what we're doing kind of thing like I think the statistic is like 25% of applicants get accepted to grad school, like from undergrad to grad Mm -hmm. um, on their first try or something. And like, this is a good school, like that we're all very competent human beings, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we are, even if you're not type, type A, type A, you're type A, B or you're type A, C, like there is something new that drew you to this field. And part of that, that is a unifying factor is that you have some kind of type A in you whatsoever. Oh yeah. I think you're used to being good at things that you really care about, you know? And Mm -hmm. so then to come in and, and just not have that knowledge yet is very, it can be very challenging. It throws you off because you're like, I'm supposed to be good at this. I like this. This is what I chose. Right. But you have to remember to be patient with yourself. Yeah. You, you can't be perfect right away every single time. That doesn't make any oh, sense. Yeah. That's what was really hard for me at Phoenix was like the whole idea of, I like kids. I've had a great time with kids and now I can't do any behavioral management. Everything's out the window. I keep being told I'm not doing enough. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this yeah. is insane. Um, but this, this placement that I'm in now is um, a lot different and a lot more, uh, a lot, a lot better. I, I love it so much. Yeah. So tell us about where you're placed and, and kind of what your general population is and stuff like that. Sure. So I am at 
Gateway Educational Center at the Infant Toddler Program. So um, I work with uh, basically kids that are birth to five. I have one seven-year-old because I also got a contract to work with my supervisor's private clients mm -hmm. as well, which was super nice. So I get to see some more medically fragile children on her private um, practice, mm -hmm. um, which has mostly just been teletherapy. A couple of times we've gotten to go to people's houses, which has been super neat. Um, I don't want to hold my laptop there. Um, and then uh, I've seen a lot of kids two to three, mostly. Um, a lot of them have autism spectrum disorder or um, undiagnosed autism spectrum disorder, which you can't really like say, but um, you know, when they're doing their eye squints and they're uh, vocally stimming, you're kind of like, well, and they're not talking yet. You kind of say develop, uh, developmentally delayed. Mm -hmm. um, and then because of how Guilford County is right now, um, they're backed up to, I want to say July IEPs right now. They're one of the only counties, I'm about to get on a soapbox, they're one of the only counties that did not continue to do evaluations in the state of North Carolina. They just stopped everything wow. when school stopped. And you're not supposed to do that because kids will continue to turn three. So you go into the school system when you turn three. So a lot of these kids that were in the infant toddler program now have nowhere to go. The parents are paying for preschool that they're not supposed to be paying for because, you know, they should be allowed to have special ed preschool and things like that. Um, that's helped by Guilford County or offered by Guilford County. Um, and they're not getting those services. Um, nobody can. Uh, nobody can give those services because they don't have an IEP, but they do right now still kind of have an IFSP. So what we've been doing with those kids that are in no man's land, we've been just seeing them either teletherapy wise or they've come to Gateway and we've seen them outside because they're not allowed in the building. Oh my gosh. So there's a bunch of three-year-olds that just have nowhere to go because there's nothing to do. Um, and so that's been really interesting to watch parents navigate through, um, how to even help that. Uh, one of the little girls that we see doesn't even have an IFSP. Her mom just never wanted one, um, found the infant toddler program at Gateway through some other kind of means and has been just paying privately for therapies because that's just how she wanted it to be yeah um and when she asked for an IEP they back in I think June or something because it was right as she turned three she was like oh we need to get this and she had, she had radio silence until she called back in August because she's like well school's supposed to be starting right and they're like yeah we won't get to you yeah we won't get to you her stuff isn't even on there. And she's like, well, I sent it through email. And they're like, well, we don't see it. So she just sent it again. And they're like, oh no, we have it. She's like, well, what are we gonna do? And she's like, well, we're not there yet. And wow. then 
after calling and calling and calling and not getting anywhere, we called them the seed or the Guilford County um, people. And um, we kind of asked where her paperwork and things were. And they said, don't count on anything until January. <laughs> like, oh wow. Yeah. Her mom is pregnant and everything. I mean, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these two kids. <laughs> like right. one's going to be three and the other one's going to be a newborn. Well, and that's so, very challenging because I mean, for a family who can handle paying out of pocket and that's what they choose to do, then, you know, if you can do it, great, but there aren't a lot of families that can do that. Can, so, no. I'm curious if if the county is in a big legal battle because of it, because technically oh, yeah. they should be providing those services continually. So about four to six of the kids that we see that are, most of the kids that we see are Medicaid um, and on are things like that. Um, and about around, um, let's see, I want to say the, the parents that are, that just started this or started this a month or two ago um, are a little bit more well off um, than some of the other kids, but they got a lawyer and they have been at Guilford County's throats. And surprisingly, oh my gosh, she got an IEP meeting like really quickly. Yeah. And she's like, that's not what I wanted. I don't want my kid to be bumped up. So other people, other people's kids get shoved down. I want change. I want something yeah. different to happen. Right. But that's not what they're giving her. Um, that's, that's very challenging because, you know, I even felt that way when, um, when we transitioned to telepractice, you know, because the reality was all of our kids at, at Phoenix had IEPs and they had, um, you know, those are contracts, right? So we promised them 20 sessions during that semester mm -hmm. and they didn't get it. So as much as, as much as our supervisors were caring about us in our hours, they were also caring about, you know, themselves and making sure that they were, they were following through on the contract, but it's, I mean, it's a challenging thing to figure out, but I can't imagine, I don't know who makes that call, but if everyone else could, uh, could get into doing the evaluation somehow online, we should have been doing it too. It's yeah. Um, what Guilford County has started to do is ask for help from other counties. So they have a much bigger evaluation team to get these things done because they're so far behind. I mean, it's November and they're not even out of, I don't even think, last time I heard it was end of June that they've been doing. So I wanna hope and cross my fingers and say that they're at July, but who knows? Right, yeah, you just, you don't know. Oh, that's terrible. So, um, we, so you're with early intervention mm -hmm. and most of your clients have autism or they have some kind of, um, expected or suggested <laughs> potential autism. So is that mm -hmm. a population that you're really interested in working with? Are you enjoying your time so far? It's been a population that I've been interested in since you know, starting undergrad really, just because my brother has autism and all these other things. Um, and it's been 
it's been a great, it's been great. Um, I've had a lot of time to, because of teletherapy and things like that, I've had a lot of time to build good rapport with um, parents, Mm -hmm. which is something that I've absolutely loved to do. Um, I didn't think I'd, I thought I'd be, you know, really awkward about it or something like that, but um, I've even gotten to do some counseling over teletherapy and things like that. Um, One of the moms was just looking at her three-year-old, like, I, what's going to happen to him? And I'm like, well, you know, there is some, you know, there are a lot of kids that are able to just, you know, that have these diagnoses and things like that. She's so afraid that he's going to be diagnosed with autism once he goes into schools. And that's going to, you know, be over him for the rest of his life. And, you know, I kind of just told her about my brother and how my mom just pushed really hard for him to be in a typical classroom. And of course he had his like crazy meltdowns when he was little because he was trying, you know, they were trying to get him to do things they didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, learn. It's <laughs> one of the biggest ones. <laughs> but, you know, over time he was perfectly fine and he did well. And now he's thriving in a community college setting. Mm -hmm. And so I told her about that and she started to cry and I was about there too. She was like, thank you so much. And I felt amazing about it. Um, Just helping parents like that. And I've done that, I think once or twice more Um, because a lot of parents, I thought I'd be, you know, bothersome about it, but my supervisor kind of explained that a lot of parents just want to hear about a win Mm -hmm. with, a family that has had a kid with autism. Um, Because during that time where it's early diagnosis, it can be so hard. Um, You know, you have a lot of therapists pointing out the things that your kid is doing wrong. Um, Therapy might make them more agitated uh, for different things. Um, You might look at your child differently my cat um (laughs) chewing on my cords um but you know at the end of the day having someone say you know your child better than anyone you know the progress that they've made through you know whatever mode of therapy that they've been doing um and you should be proud of yourself and your kid yeah um really helps (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, your supervisor is absolutely right too. Like, I think autism can be challenging at the beginning in that your kid looks like most other kids, Uh all something that presents internally and then comes out externally, but not in a way that, that we necessarily ever understand, you know? Uh And, um, I think it's a challenging concept to say, yeah, your kid walks, talks, acts, has some interests that are similar to other kids, but at the same time, there are some things that are, that are a little different and, and to kind of think about how other people are going to perceive that child, you know, I think can be very challenging for, for Mm -hmm. parents who are just going through that, um, in that, you know, there's no, it's not written on your forehead. There's nothing physical to say, yeah, I have autism and that means I act Mm -hmm. a little bit differently, you know? Right. 
and you know one of the stories that comes to mind um is like one of the biggest ones is just my mom dealt with that and had a really hard time with that and it was just because so you know people just randomly passing by will always wave and smile at babies Mm -hmm. so they would wave and smile at my brother and he obviously wasn't going to be like hi wow and he just kind of looked past them and they would always be like hmm babies always love me and she's like I don't have to you know tell you oh my kid has autism I'm so sorry that he's not so she would always just say huh he was talking a minute ago and just walk away yeah well and it's it's something that's so interesting too because it it's just it's just atypical, right? It's just mm-hmm. socially atypical. And so right. not everyone's the same, you know, mm-hmm. not all babies love you. That's the way it works. No, no you can't just that say that. And that's just, you know, some people don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Autism or not, things are just different about different people. You know, some people like their favorite colors blue. Some people's their favorite colors red, you know? Some people don't even have one because it changes pretty much every 10 minutes. But like, you know, it's just something that's so interesting of a concept because we're so used to generalizing and then to say like, mm-hmm. don't speak too soon kind of thing. But yeah. I think that's really awesome that you're able to kind of provide that advocacy for the population, but then also to provide some comfort and counseling to the parents and knowing that. I think that's a really awesome tool to have in in your toolbox too and that's not even Mm -hmm. something that grad school could ever teach you you know and so I think think that's awesome yeah one of my favorite questions that I like to ask because so you know when you hear the big scary word autism um one of the best questions to ask is what's your perception on autism because either they won't know how to explain it or they're going to say something like, you know, I'm going to have to take care of this child forever, you know, until I die. And then what's going to happen? Um, and just getting into the idea of, you know, kind of what autism looks like and how the spectrum is not, you know, high functioning to low functioning. It's more of a circle like we learned before in, in the spring. Um, talking about emotions is a really big one. Um, just saying that, of course, your child loves you. You can see that on their face. You know that as a parent um, through the ways that they show you that they love you, whether they like pick up a block and you're the only person that they just like barely look to and just give it to because um, they'll never do that to anybody else. Um, and just saying that, you know, they're not expressing it the way that you would typically see it on a child um kind of gives them a lot of comfort yeah. and it helps them understand their kid more um and it helps them give you know more advo- advocacy for their kid um when people ask about it and things like that I mean the amount of times my grandparents have said that my brother doesn't have emotions is insane yeah and it hurts, you know? Yeah. So it's really, you know, something that I've had to advocate for my brother because my mom will blow up. <laughs> she just, you know, at this point, she's like, I can't do it anymore. It's insane. I just get so mad at them because, you know, my grandma asked if deafness was related to autism. And I'm like, no, 
that in that case, you know, all people that have, you know, hearing impairments would be, would also have autism. And that's not, that's not true. And she's like, huh. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so, it's such a unique kind of disorder because it's an umbrella term. So mm -hmm. we think of it as, you know, or the general public thinks of it as one thing and it's just not. It's right. one of the most, I mean, I started with the Down syndrome population and, and they always have a soft spot in my heart, but I, I really respect him and am so drawn to the autism population too, because it's so unique individual to individual. So there's mm -hmm. no, there's not necessarily two characteristics that are always going to be the same or something you can always look for, you know, and it presents in so right. many different ways. And so I think there's always a perception of this is autism and autism is pretty much a big question mark, you right. know, like until you meet that it's the person it's not, mm -hmm. you know, autism doesn't ever present the same way twice. It's like a snowflake. Right. And so, and yeah, I think it's way. very important to advocate for a population like that or somebody, you know, who to people who might not understand. And I think it's hard too for us to, you know, like you said, your mom will get so frustrated because she knows, but it's mm -hmm. also important to remember that a lot of times the general public just doesn't. Mm -mm. And so that's why it's, I think it's super cool what you're doing with those parents, because yeah, it sounds scary. You think you know what autism is, but you, mm -hmm. you don't, you know, no. Even, I don't feel like I know what autism is. You just, no. <laughs> and I think like, that's the best mindset to have is just like, we, we treat what we see. And so mm -hmm. that's something that, um, we did with Perry in the fall. And I think it was one of my biggest lessons from grad school was it doesn't matter what his diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what her diagnosis is. Like at the end of the day, these are the strengths. These are the challenges. How do you use the one to help the other? Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely something that I have carried with me. And I think that's such an interesting mindset because we used to be all diagnosis, diagnosis, diagnosis. Mm -hmm. What are the characteristics? How do you treat it? But it's just not as cut and dry as that. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so interesting. Um, and piggybacking off of that, um, another big thing that we do with our kids with autism and most any other kid that we see have feeding issues. So we do a lot of feeding or feeding therapy. And I have loved that, loved um, learning about it, um, behavioral wise, and then also more, you know, um, dysphagia wise, uh, it's, it's been really fun. I have two kids that have a trach. Um, so we do both of them on teletherapy, but we, we do feeding therapy solely with them and then some AAC, um, lamp is one of my supervisor's absolute favorites. <laughs> we like carry that everywhere we go. Yeah. I have like a core board in my backpack, just ready to whip out for kids. Um, and kind of learning to look at the swallowing, how the chewing looks. Is it more of a mashing and suckling or is it more um, chewing, making sure they have their tiger teeth. So when they chew to keep their mouth open mm -hmm. um, because that discourages the suckling pattern that so many of these kids still have. Um, and so many parents are like, oh, that's impolite. <laughs> like it's helping them chew. Yeah. 
I'd rather um, them swallow safely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just going through that, I think one of the hardest things I've seen is um, a parent that just recently came back into their child's life was like, he's not eating. And I don't think he really understood. Like, I think he understood when he, when mom was like, no, he's a picky eat, like he will not eat. And he, you know, like any other typical parent would, would say, well, you know, if I wait a while, he'll get hungry and he'll eventually eat. But those kids with those, um, those food aversions that are so severe, they will try to starve themselves if, if they don't get the food that they feel like they need. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, he lives off of Pediasure right now. Um, I've learned a lot about infant toddler per, or, in, or was it toddler formula? I'm so used to saying infant toddler program. <laughs> My bad. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, bottles and bottles of that a day, which does not help your digestive system. Um, didn't know how important pooping was. Didn't know that that was a question we asked until this semester. Mm -hmm. you're like sitting there my supervisor's like so when was the last poop <laughs> and like one of the moms was like oh he poops weekly little balls and we're like no <laughs> gosh no she's like that's a normal thing and we're like that's not normal he needs some Miralax like oh, stat yeah jeez that's it's not, that not sound fun like of course your kid's not hungry he's like backed up to the like he's done yeah. he doesn't want any food his belly must be in knots that's terrible and so many of these kids are like that and from what i understand from my supervisor a lot of kids with autism have this sameness with some type of gi issue mm -hmm. whether it be reflux whether it be constipation or both or food version mm -hmm. um, from either constipation or sensory overload. I worked really closely. I still do. I work really closely with the OT there. I adore her. Um, and I get to work a lot with the PT, mm -hmm. um, which is a lot of fun. So we put kids in standards and we make them eat in their standards, um, especially those kids that don't walk. Um, we have a couple of shaken baby syndrome babies okay. um and those are always sad to see um one of our little girls just had like a really big seizure so we're really hoping that she's okay um but you know we work a lot with the PT on how spastic they are um they get a lot of Botox injections to relax the muscles so um that's always interesting to see mm -hmm. um help and it does amazing wonders like one kid could only hold it to her chest and then after the injection she was trying to pick up her spoon and it blew our minds away yeah wow um, we see kids with genetic differences um one of the little boys we just did intake with he's 10 months old he's so cute he has like an arm and it goes down to the elbow and then his wrist kind of comes out and then his hands here without any thumbs oh but and so he's a big ot and pt kid um and he has a g-tube because um he was a NICU baby um he had trouble eating and 
gaining calories because he was working too hard on eating. Yeah. So he won't be an SLP. He won't be a speech therapy kid forever. He's pretty on par with everything. It's just um, some of his genetic differences, which is really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, to see, because we see a good handful of them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like you're getting such a cool mixture of like early language, feeding, like you're really seeing all different aspects. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's been great. Um, one of my biggest soapboxes that I've been able to stand on um, that I've basically being, I, I tell people it's my revolution mm-hmm. um, and it's feeding in schools. So like we learned from Perry in the spring that feeding in schools is a thing, like some feeding intervention. And I was like, okay, cool. I had no idea that this was a huge, like people are either about it or they absolutely hate the idea. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that. Um, One of the parents that is waiting for an IEP right now wants to continue feeding therapy. And my supervisor, because we hadn't talked about this before, was like, oh, well, you know, that's not something that we can target on an IEP. And I was like, of course it is. <laughs> she was like, no way. Um, she didn't know. After that, no, she didn't know. Like, wow. nobody knows. In specifically in uh, Guilford County. So she, we finished that. And she was like, I have been trying to get something in because how Guilford, her, how Gateway is kind of put together is that it's more of a three and up. And then we are part of the building, but not part of Guilford County Schools mm-hmm. and the infant toddler program. So typically they just think, oh yeah, that's where feeding therapy happens. It's just in the infant toddler program. And then when they move into Guilford County Public Schools, they just stop doing feeding therapy altogether. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it's been. Um, so I'm like, no, we can we can change that. And my supervisor's like, yeah, we can. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at Perry's website where those unique mealtime need things are and uh, we talked with and had a big discussion with um, one of the speech therapists that was in Guilford County Public Schools at Gateway mm-hmm. and the occupational therapist, because the occupational therapist that we have in our infant toddler program, Trish, is like all about it. So we had this big meeting with them um, and they just start saying how it's more of a medical need. And I'm like, well, swallowing specifically is... Um, <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> she not understand what is wrong. Talking with me. to me. <laughs> oh my God. Um where was a- anyway, they, they talked about how it was more of a medical need rather than an educational need. And I was like, I don't know what it looks like for occupational therapists, but for speech therapists, that's the thing that we're supposed to be doing. And it's more of an educationally relevant thing because when you know a kid is not eating. Uh, correctly, then they're not going to do well in school. If a kid aspirates randomly because in, you know, if they have a history of aspiration pneumonia and the school isn't equipped to deal with that or give any type of therapy for that, they're going to be out for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe even a month, you know, 
no telling how bad it was. And now they've missed a whole month of school. You're not going to tell me that that is going to affect them educationally. Um, because it is. Yeah. So they didn't want to hear it, really. Um, none of them did. And so that made me irritated. And I just kept pressing that it was educationally relevant. And the SLP looked at me and she said, you know, I'm going to tell you something that might make you upset. I was like, what? And she said, you know, it's our job to provide appropriate care, not the best care. Can you tell me what that means? Oh. I'm... Mm. Because. I, I, I don't, I, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I get it to an extent if you play devil's advocate to say, I've got so many kids, I need to make sure that I'm serving all my kids and that they're getting what they need. And so it's kind of the idea of need versus one in a perfect world. Yes, we provide the best. So if you play devil's advocate, okay. I, guess I get it. I can see that. But, but at the same time, I don't like that. That's not no. why I was brought in. That's not why I chose this field. No, I mean what what is needed should be the best care is what i've been thinking yeah it's just you know what is on the iep and what that parent is pushing for is right. typically what that kid needs and you're going to tell me that that's not correct kind of makes me upset yeah so i mean i was i at that point i think i had shut down I don't really remember exactly the rest of that conversation. Um, but I mean, that that really stuck with me. And I thought, you know, Dr. Mayo always talked about working at the top of your C's and right. doing the best you can. So it's, you know, a little shocking to hear somebody say, well, you know, you do what you need, you know, you do what you can. Yeah. And I would understand that if, you know, it was more of an overwhelming situation where she had like 50 bazillion children on her caseload, but she has helped. There's like two or there's about two other SLPs that work with her and not all of the kids are back yet. Mm. Yeah. And well, at that point, none of the kids have been yeah. back. It, <laughs> it's just, I was, so, you know, at one point when I made my points and showed, you know, different laws, idea, things like that, she said, well, you know, I don't have any experience in feeding therapy. And my supervisor said, well, I could definitely help you out with that. You know, there's CEUs that you can take. And she's like, well, I guess there is, <laughs> which was neat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it kind of ended with just, I feel like people feeling more ingrained in their ideas rather than them seeing what we were meaning and if they were trying to make any point of us seeing what they meant. Um, and it just showed how big of a gray area uh, feeding therapy is right now. Yeah. Um, but what is correct, and I emailed Perry back and forth about it, 
afterwards beforehand and everything Mm -hmm. and he basically told me to not ruffle any feathers um and to you know keep learning but kind of leave it be and I didn't really like that so I didn't really leave it be um so uh a lot of the OTs and the therapy the therapists at Gateway know me (laughs) and I don't know if that's a good thing or not um and then some of the other so my supervisor has a friend over in another public separate in Guilford County mm-hmm. who had been doing um, acute care pediatrics before she had gone into this and she was like hey did you know that we can target feeding therapy and she's like oh sweet I don't have to sneak around the lunchroom anymore <laughs> and yeah. she had told her other therapist counterparts and they all were added avidly against it hmm. and so it's a very it's weird it's really weird. Um, so we've just been telling, you know, parents to ask for unique mealtime needs and to show them what the Department of Public Instruction says, which has roles and responsibilities, which shows that speech therapist and occupational therapist should be providing feeding inter- intervention when appropriate. Yeah. And even if it's just positioning, even if it's just correct environment, um, you know, it's, it's not much, even if you did a little bit, it would still be more than what the kid's getting now. Um, and then there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, um, speech therapists, occupational therapists that feel very uncomfortable with it. And I completely understand that's not something that they know how to do. And if it's not something that you want to do, it's hard to really want to go out there. I know you are not about feeding. (laughs) Oh, did you get that impression? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I just remember Miss <laughs> Paywansi's class. She being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I I have no concept. I <laughs> it's not for me. But I also understand the need. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the biggest things, especially that Wake County has done, where it's just created a feeding team. So the hard part is done where the feeding team's purpose is to come in and if there's any child that has any kind of issue with feeding, they come in, do the assessments, um, they create a treatment plan and just spell it out for therapists and teachers what they need to complete. Mm -hmm. And they come in and do the re-evals and they are always there for consultation. That's like the biggest thing that they do when we asked the occupational therapist at Gateway during this discussion, because she's really big within the Guilford County public schools community and things like that, why we don't have a feeding feeding team like Wake County does, she says, because we don't have enough lawsuits against it yet. I don't really like that response, but I understand that response. Yeah. So, what I did is start, you know, doing independent research um, and finding different ways of how to create a feeding team, because I feel like that would be the best bet rather than sitting down, looking everybody in the eye in Guilford County Public School System and say, you have to do feeding therapy now. Right. Because <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Because um, no one's going to do that. <laughs> There's no way. 
But if you say, hey, this can be targeted on an IEP, but hey, don't worry, this is what we want you to do. And this is what's going to happen. I feel like it's a lot more, that's a lot more understandable. There's a lot more of a plan going on. Um, it sounds like people know what they're doing and the speech therapists don't have to freak out and be like, oh my gosh, my world's ending. How could they make me do feeding therapy? Yeah. Um, so um, at this point, um, I want to talk to Perry more, but I feel like I should probably be doing my capstone with Mariah first <laughs> before <laughs> I start bugging him because he's my supervisor for my capstone too. So I feel like at one point he's going to be like, are you doing something else? <laughs> are you doing literally anything else? Yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting conversation to be having though too, because I think it just goes back to speaking to A, how much our... Um, profession is changing mm-hmm. in that a lot of people who are still practicing never needed to get their master's. They were kind of grandfathered in to keep their undergrad, but right. our field is much more medical and much more research than, uh, than a bachelor's suffices, which is right. why we're at a master's level now and why probably in a few years, we're going to be grandfathered into not needing a doctor, but everyone else will, you know? Oh man. (laughs) But I think it also speaks to the idea of um, how vast and broad our scope is Mm -hmm. because it's, it's very challenging to be thinking, okay, I'm considered clinically competent, but at the same time, I deal with a million different things Mm -hmm. and to be considered expert with dysphagia and feeding therapy and language and pragmatics and AAC and stroke and dementia and like just every single, I mean, we're cradle to grave. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, I can't, (laughs) I can't imagine it's not intimidating for a lot of SLPs who haven't always done it or haven't always focused on, on the research or on the evidence or on like, you know, staying up to date with how expanded our scope is. You're right. And I yeah. think when you go to the schools, you're not anticipating the more medical mm-hmm. kind of side of our field. But I think I think it's important to remember that we're supposed to be clinically competent in all of that. Right. And I understand, you know, thinking about it, you know, you, when you think about public schools, you're not going to see a lot of kids with feeding issues. Um, but when you're looking at public separate schools and things like that, almost every single one of those kids has a diet order. And that shows that, you know, they can only have, you know, mech soft or ground or fork mashed, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and whether that be from a food aversion where they just refuse to put anything in their mouth that has any type of bump, um, or because of how much aspiration they've had as a kid, they just, you know, cannot, you know, as they grow up as a student, they, you know, have a food aversion to anything that isn't easy for them to swallow. Um, I feel like they have a right to some type of therapy, especially when they're in a school system, because, you know, they're having 
you know, some of these kids or even most of these kids are having two out of the three main meals in schools. Are you gonna tell me that we aren't supposed to be watching them eat? Or are you gonna be telling me that we shouldn't make sure, watch out for aspiration, know the signs at least, know positions to put them in to make sure that they don't choke? Yeah. I mean, there's just like little things that we could get them to do that would take like 20 seconds to do. Or even just to tell the, I don't know, to tell the teachers about it, yeah. to make sure that they're looking. I know they have like 20 children to look after, but you know, at least making them aware. Yeah, well, and I think that just goes back to speaking to how important that advocacy component is within our field. Right. You know, even just like we said with autism, making sure you understand exactly what what's up, you know, mm -hmm. not only for people we work with as far as parents or the individuals cli as clients themselves, but also within our practice and keeping each other accountable. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So is this like the age group you see yourself in in the future? Like where I, I guess after we graduate, where, where do you see yourself moving kind of yeah. professionally? So I want to have somewhat of a adult experience, um, more medically kind of inclined because I just really love dysphagia. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the population that I'm with and the early intervention has been amazing. I've adored it. I mean, I, I really feel like this is something that I could do um, and really work for and advocate with. Um, I mean, you know, another one of my dreams is to maybe be public enemy number one in Guilford County Public Schools. That sounds like a fun time to me. <laughs> um, because in the public separate schools, you know, there's apparently that one UNCG student that started talking weird um and that that has been I mean I've loved doing that research with my supervisor and that's something that she has can pushed and um wanted to do with me so I feel like that's something that I could continue with too mm -hmm. um and come back and try to help advocate for that um but I would really love to see kind of what a hospital setting is um, to kind of get that foothold before I kind of move on. Um, yeah, I've, I'm a little freaked out about moving on to like a job wise rather than school wise. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I've like looked at PhD things. I'm like, no, 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 not yet. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, <laughs> specifically for those things that I'm super hyper-focused on um, because I just want to know more about those things specifically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe I crave that semester to semester deal. Yeah. Hey, I don't blame you one bit. I'm, I'm there with you. So, <laughs> which I think some people are like, I cannot wait to ever take it, like never take a class again. I know how this works. It makes sense. I've done it for 23 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. 
It's like, I could yeah. do this again. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like, I have so much student debt. Maybe wait. <laughs> yes, I think me too. I'm holding off a couple of years and then we'll see what happens. But that's so cool. What about like location wise? Do you have any mindset on that? Because your family is in North Carolina, but not here, correct? Mm -hmm. They're about two hours away. Um, you know, my good friends are, you know, an hour and a half away kind of deal. Um, but I think it kind of depends on where me and my boyfriend go um, specifically. I know right now he's in Georgia. Um, he's talked really hardcore about marriage, which is fun. And I'm like, I don't really see your ring though. <laughs> that sounds nice. Actually, um, I, I was just doing the math. So, came up in his screen and I was like, wait, she's got a ring. Is that on her left hand? What's going on? But not yet. Right. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't it. No. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he says that he's waiting until he's, he can come back up here. Um, he's looking at a transfer cause he's in the air force right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's looking at a transfer to guard, I believe. There's a lot of words that I don't know. Um, which would put him in North Carolina. Um, and if that happens, then, um, you know, that might be something that I really look into kind of moving near him or something like that. Yeah. Um, but because of my fells and stuff like that, I probably want to do that here, but also I'd really like to just move around a little bit. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more of just hopping around like you did. I looked really hard at travel therapy, um, just because, um, in right before my undergrad, I did, um, some shadowing and I asked her a bunch of different questions and she said, um, one of the biggest things that she wished she had done right out of grad school is just do some travel therapy. Yeah. Um, just so that she got out, saw a bunch of different things, and then came back and settled down a little bit more into a more stable job. And so that's something that I've been kind of thinking about um, and looking at. Um, financially, that sounds weird. I'm not really sure how that works out. <laughs> like leases and things like that, specifically housing. I think they're supposed to put um, up housing. That's why but, I'm down with it. <laughs> Sweet day. Some, <laughs> some do mm -hmm. you have to tell your recruiter about it um because there's other places that depending on how much they pay you right. so they'll dock that much amount of money from it if they're gonna house you um and if they don't then they're like look at all this money you're gonna make that's because we don't give you insurance housing <laughs> you just come here and work <laughs> but you know you get to see a lot of things that way yeah yeah that would be really interesting so remind me how long you and your boyfriend have been dating. It's been at least five years or something like that, right? Yep. We had our five-year anniversary last Wednesday. Oh my gosh. Well, happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, we've never spent an anniversary together. So kept up that tradition last Wednesday. Not one. Oh my gosh. Not one. There's <laughs> been five of them. We just have not figured that one out. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, I guess it just happens. You guys are both kind of doing your own thing and mm -hmm. 
we're pretty independent people. So there's a lot of just, you know, he's like, oh, why don't you come down here? And I'm like, why don't you come up here? He's like, I'm in the military, Amelia. <laughs> like, you have a lot more freedom that way. I'm like, I've spent a lot of money in this program. There is no way I'm leaving this. No way. <laughs> I, I'm important too, okay? I could be UNCG. <laughs> Serve my country, whatever. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's awesome though. I think that's so cool that you guys can kind of, you know, encourage each other from afar and maintain a, a positive relationship and then come oh, yeah. together and, and do things together too. I think since we started dating when we were really young, I mean, I was still in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, we were, it was one of the things that we had to really make sure we understood uh, cause we started dating in October and that May he shipped off to the military. Right. So we only had about seven months of dating before he said, bye. We started long distance for the next foreseeable future. Um, and it's been a really big learning experience, but I feel like we are really good at communication. I think the biggest issue would be if we ever decided to live together or anything like that. We're going to need like a slightly bigger house. <laughs> this is your side. This is my side. <laughs> like That's your room. You can listen to your loud music and it can be under zero there. And I'm just going to go live over here where it's 80 degrees and I'm still in a hoodie. Yeah, because that's definitely, I mean, that's always a learning experience, but especially when the majority of your relationship has been distance. You know, you're, you're not really getting the same mentality. You come for a weekend or you come for a week and it's fun, but then living together, it's sometimes not as fun. <laughs> no, it sounds like a really big, uh, really big adjustment. I mean, we've spent, you know, times where I've gone down to his apartment and I've been there for like a week, or I think the most has been like 10 days where he's come and visit me in my apartment. Um, and those have been those have been good. We, there's been no issues there. And you know, the only thing that we do is like, I'll be cooking dinner and he's like, this is too little. And I'm like, we need a bigger apartment if we ever do this together. Like we love spending time with one another, but you know, he loves to listen to his music loud and I'm a really big sound Nazi and he loves very cold weather and I don't. <laughs> yeah, so you there's no other way to put to that. Out, but but there's, yeah, little things of just, you know, there's been a lot of compromises before in the relationship and they're just going to continue yeah. because, you know, we adore each other. That's awesome. Oh, I'm so glad. And I'm excited to see kind of once you have a medical placement, how things might change for you. And then even thinking about, you know, stepping into the future, if he does come here or if you'll end up traveling and somehow make your way to him that's that's a lot mm -hmm. of cool stuff in the works I think yeah where what are you looking for in a spring semester <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> not dysphagia but oh, well. <laughs> older, right but I need some adult hours and it's probably best for me to do a medical placement so I have some mm -hmm. feelers out but I've also kind of thought about a special school but towards the high school ages so I can mm -hmm. still get adult hours, but I'm working on oh, language. Yeah. Um, language portion. Ideally I'd be in a sniff to get my medical experience, but to work more on cognition than mm -hmm. primarily dysphagia, but that's just not 
Not in the cards. I was supposed to be in Germany this spring. <sighs> I know. <laughs> I feel that. Oh man. I remember. Yeah. Victoria talks about it. She's like, there was that one thing that we were going to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. oh, I feel bad for you guys. It is what because, it is. And you know, yeah. if I do travel, I might end up there anyway. You might. Yeah. Germany is a great place. I've been there once. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I would love to go back. I keep, I'm like, my travel bug, bug is itching at this point. I just, I want to get, get back to Europe or somewhere. I don't know where. Anywhere. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, Start walking. I would love, before we log off, I would love if you have a funny story and then mm. something that's made you happy recently. Let's see. I don't know if it's super funny, but I think, hmm. Let's see. There's one kid that we had and he's super like big food aversion. Mm -hmm. And so he loves anything cakey or crackery. Um, so he's like having his donut. He's living his life and we're playing with a toy. He's having a great time and he's pushing them and I'm telling him which one it is. And when he turns it around, it like resets. So I go turn it around and he goes, turn it around and he giggles. He's having a great time. And then at one point I just dip, you know, just a little bit of applesauce onto one part of his like donut and I just give it to him and he's just puts it in his mouth and he looks at me like I just killed a puppy in front of him. Oh and he God. just, he just drops it out of his mouth. He goes, oh, yucky. And I go, wow, you ate applesauce and a donut. So good. Wow, so good. And I'm like clapping and I'm having a great time. And he's like almost in tears. <laughs> Oh, poor I'm like, baby. let's do it again. And so we're flipping it. And then like, <laughs> and I give it to him and this time it doesn't have anything on it. And he just like grabs it and then, and then feels it and then uh -huh. puts it in his mouth and like life is okay until I do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and every time he just goes, oh, yucky, yucky. And I go, no, yummy, yummy. You love it. <laughs> I'm going to brainwash you, kid. You're going to enjoy You're it. You're having such a great time. And he's like, how dare you? I he's have stuck a, in Riften, like living his life. Yeah. I have a little girl and uh, that I see in person, one of my few. And she looks at me every time. I'm like, can I play with you? Like, she looks at me like, uh, I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to take my toys and make me ask for them. And I'm not down you? with it. So it's the exact same. She's like, I see right through you. I'm not stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah. I love it when they start looking for the applesauce because that just gives me more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. Because a lot more, I'm, I feel like, you know, I don't know if this is good or not, but I work a little bit off of spite. So I'm like, oh, you didn't eat one? We're going to eat two now. Like, oh my good job. <laughs> this is what you've done. You've done this to yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, typically I can get it, but I, I know when to back off. I swear. I'm not torturing these kids that much. Yeah. <laughs> but um, definitely it's one of one of my favorite things is just working on that food aversion of them just being like how dare you and I'm like you're doing so well yeah, you tasted it wow <laughs> that's awesome Ah. 
That's so yeah. funny. I definitely, that look from a little kid and you're, and they, they're like, I see right through you. <laughs> How freaking dare you. Don't they try start looking that. like, mm -hmm. yeah, I want, I'm watching you. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's so funny. Oh, oh so last thing before we go, I want to know something that's made you happy recently. Um, let's see. Uh, really? I'm trying to think of like either something that has made me happy in my placement or just more of because I'm I'm obsessed with my placement right now. Um let me go, let me go more social then. Um <laughs> my my boyfriend bought a new game for us to play and we finished it. Woo! That's awesome. We finished the main storyline. We finished Borderlands 3. It was a good time. Um, he basically carried me the whole way through the game, but you know, we had a good time together. <laughs> it was, it's one of our like biggest date things that we do. Um, and it especially is so much fun and great when we have a new game that we play together, um, because we're both so into it. And so it's, it's a lot of fun that we get to share that together. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And I know those things can take like a lot of hours and a lot of like very mm -hmm. strategic play. So I think that's so cool. You guys were able to yeah, win. He it. does that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there for fun. <laughs> there. He's like, what are you shooting at? And I'm like the bad guy. He's like, that's me. And yeah. Don't hit me, please. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's awesome. And I think that's so great. You can share some stuff like that. Um, especially while you came physically be together mm -hmm. to have a shared interest is, is super cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Aw, well, I loved learning. I feel like I learned so much. Um, and I feel like it's so cool that you're doing all those different advocacy components in the school and that your supervisor is really supporting you. Um, mm -hmm. And definitely a lot of food for thought about the school system. And then, you know, within North Carolina itself too. Oh yeah. That's something that I, you know, if Guilford County doesn't know it, then you can bet that so many other counties don't know about it. So, you know, wherever you end up, just in, if there's any way that you can even just plant the seed of, oh yeah, you know, the Department of Public Instruction of North Carolina says that we can do this. Yeah. And, just, and I think, I think you, know, you don't have to do much more than that. Just saying that you can do it at least is telling somebody else that there's, you know, some type of responsibility that we have. Right. And I think it's awesome that you, um, as a student, feel comfortable enough to say, like, no, I I know enough to to stand by this. I think that's a really cool shift in perspective, kind of, from being just a learner to being a future clinician. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really awesome to see and and to feel, I'm sure, and and to be a part of. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. Yeah, I'm so glad you were able to come on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had such a great time. Me too. And we'll chat again soon. All right. <laughs> <laughs>